Welcome in everybody to another edition of Sad Times. My name is Kevin. I guess this is how I normally talk. I don't even know. Thank you so much for joining us. For those of you who have never listened to Sad Times before, here's a quick primer. Sad Times is a show in which we have a kind and generous guest come on each week and tell stories about times they were sad, upset, angry, traumas they have unfortunately gone through, um, how they reacted, how those uh, around them and loved them reacted. Uh, the goal here is not to judge nor is it to diagnose, nor is it to solve the problems, but to allow um, our wonderful guests to tell their stories so that you at home can hear these stories and and perhaps feel a little bit less alone and maybe hear something that you thought, oh, I thought I was the only one who um, dealt with that or, or had that thought. So that's sad times in a, in, a, in a little bit of a nutshell. There's sad times in a website, and that's www.sadtimespodcast.com. And there, uh, there's many cool things there, including all of our episodes, and you can also register to be a guest. Um, I will remind you, as I've said a few times, uh, the main rule of sad times is the guest decides 100% about what we talk about. And today we are uh, back with a guest who reached out to us through the website. And uh, we're going to get right back to her story here in a moment. But if you are listening to this and you haven't listened to any other ones, please hit pause and um, go back and play part one. It will be two weeks before this, and then part two. And then we're going to pick right back up here with Katie and part three. Katie, how are you doing this week? I am doing fabulous. Thank you for asking. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. It's good to see you again. Um, the the magic of podcasts and we can uh the magic of podcasts and zoom we can see each other and we can talk uh you can't see brent but he has a is that a pontiac logo yeah that's right brent has a, a hat with a pontiac logo on it and they didn't even pay to sponsor it so um awesome. yeah so where we left off um you uh told a a very difficult story uh, about uh, a job that you took and you ended up for reasons that are, you know, described in the the previous episode uh, that you ended up, you were already a heavy drinker. You ended up drinking during the day to try to get fired from that job, which led to, I believe um, you going to rehab. Is that a fair assessment of where we are? That would be a very accurate assessment. Um, so 2015, uh, went to rehab. Um, <clears throat> so I would love to say I came out of that 30 day treatment center totally fixed and never drank again. Um, but that would be inaccurate. Mm. Uh, in fact, I basically came out of there with nothing fixed um, other than being kind of annoyed. Um, I mean, it was a really great place. It was more of a spa than it was um, much of anything. Okay. Uh, very AA centric, AA heavy. Um, and it, it didn't address any issues it didn't address anything other than just stop drinking and your life will be perfect okay so i want to dig in on that just a little bit so when you say it didn't address any other issues i are you referring to it didn't really dive into why you might have an, uh, an no. issue with drinking no. it didn't drive no, no, into no. any there. of the traumas that you've spoken no. about the last couple okay no no, no. it was 1000% just don't just don't do this one thing just don't knock it off don't do it and you'll be fine and i mean that's very very um glib and but that was 1000% of what this treatment was it was just knock it off just don't did they provide you with tools to to help with that? Booty. 
Okay. Go gotcha. to AA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which for someone, um, I do want to say, yes, if you have an addiction that has taken over your life is causing you to do these horrific things to your body and to your family and you are not a stand-up functioning member of society and all of that stopping that activity is a good idea 1000% i am not saying that that is not a valid thing to say um but that's not treatment uh that is not a solution to the problem treatment begins when you figure out your why why are you doing this I, can you say that one more time please because that's it's a really well said treatment begins once you uncover or figure out the why like nobody wakes up in the morning and is like you know what i think i'm going to become an alcoholic today because why not Mm -hmm. that sounds great nobody does that right nobody that gets blackout drunk on the regular that is not a first time at it college student or whatever. Um, Nobody does that. You are using a substance to numb something. You are. and, And when I say you, I should stop doing that because I can only talk about myself. I was trying to numb how I felt and how I felt was shitty. I had all of the past trauma that was not my fault. So I had all of that, but that had never been dealt with. It had never been unpicked or treated really it had been discussed yes i talked to therapists um but it never really the shame that i was carrying um i felt responsible as a child I felt responsible for what happened to me because I was so attention hungry that clearly I invited this into my life. I had to have, I had to have done something to bring this on me, which I know is a complete lie, but that is how I felt. I felt responsible for getting abused. Um, So I took that. Then you march down the road and I have this horrific eating disorder, which kind of popped back in and out of my life at varying points. When I was drinking, like after I'd lost that job and I came back from um, rehab, the first one, um, I was trying to not drink, but nothing had been fixed. No problems had been rectified. So I laid in my little shame pile and that gets old real fast. Mm. So all I wanted to do was stop feeling that. Um, And alcohol sure did that. Uh, It got me absolutely comatose. Um, And so I've got the shame. I'm not the perfect daughter. I'm not the perfect wife. I'm not the perfect second wife. I'm not the perfect employee. I'm not the perfect Christian. I'm not the perfect anything. And 
that was what I thought I had to be. Um, my whole life, I had to be perfect. I had to be straight A's. I had to be all of this stuff that I put on myself and society put on me. And I just took it on like a coat. Um, and that's a whole lot of shit. Like, yeah. that's just none of it had to, none of it. I didn't have to buy it, but I did. Um, and so, uh, trigger warning, uh, I wanted to die. I very, very much wanted to die. Um, and so I decided that's what I was going to do. Um, somewhere in my lizard brain, uh, I remembered somebody saying, if you take a bottle of Tylenol and then eat a bunch of peanut butter and then drink a bunch of vodka, if they find you, it makes it harder for them to pump your stomach because the peanut butter supposedly, yeah. Uh, PSA, don't do that. Yeah, don't um, do that. Don't do that. It ends badly. Um, my husband did find me and was very confused why there was a bottle of Tylenol, a jar of peanut butter, and half a bottle of vodka sitting in our bedroom. Um, but he did put two and two together. Were you to totally um, passed out? At, uh, oh, God, I was, I was out. Yeah. I mm -hmm. was out. Um, thankfully they can pump your stomach. Um, so I woke up at some point covered in charcoal puke. Oh. It was in my hair. It was all over my face, not feeling amazing. Um, and I was pissed because I was not supposed to wake up. Um, and I think I spent a couple of days in behavioral health after that. At the hospital? Um, in a unit. Okay. Um, for people who are not well mentally. Um, so, okay. Let me uh, make sure. So... Thank you for, for adding in the trigger warning. Um, yeah. And uh, so you attempt um, this and your husband finds you, takes you, and you mentioned charcoal. So they just, to pump your stomach, They don't they put charcoal in there or something to, uh -huh. because yeah, it they, grabs they, stuff out it, of your stomach? Or? I am not entirely sure. Okay. Because I was not privy to the whole right. thing. <laughs> Um, but charcoal is involved and it does come up. Okay. Um, and so you wake up and you, as you said, your first reaction really was that you were angry. Yeah, I was pissed. Because again, your goal was not to wake up. Correct. And then they, um, because of the actions you took that they moved you to, once you were stable, they yeah. moved you to a behavioral health. Now, what is a behavioral health, um, uh, at least oh, this, the one that you went to here. The one that I went to here that I became ultimately quite familiar with um, is a separate little building all on lockdown. Um, I've come to call it a grippy sock vacation because you can't wear shoes that have laces. Um if you are in the unaliving yourself mindset, um, it's basically a gigantic timeout for grownups. Um, it, it's for people with substance addictions. Um, they, 
uh, detox you. So for myself, I was very much detoxing and they give you medication so you don't die. Right. Um, because you can die if you are a heavy enough drinker and you stop cold turkey, bad things can happen. The withdrawal in your body can cause seizures, yes, your correct? Your body physically becomes addicted to alcohol and it's bad. Like you can have seizures, you can have strokes, you can just not be good. So they they wean you off of it um, through medication. And I have detoxed by myself, and I do not recommend no, it. No, absolutely it, not. Do not do it. You should One, always you seek nothing medical. From this podcast. If you have an alcohol addiction, if you have another drug addiction, and you want help, get medical help because you do not want to do this by yourself. It is dangerous. It is awful. Um, they very like if they can't do anything else, that is one thing they can do right is they can get you to the other side. Yes. Um, so for the next four years, five years, I bounce between being sober for a little while, white knuckling it to falling off the wagon, getting wasted. Roger would have me what's known as a TDO, which is a temporary detainment order. So it was back to behavioral health um, where I would spend anywhere between five three to five days in one of these places where you are there with just this buffet of mental illness. It's people with schizophrenia, people with addictions, people um, who have a head injury and are not coping with life and are on disability kind of just want to change the scenery um just this soup of different things so uh, just to clarify does that mean that the people who are there it's either people who have been admitted or, or people can go by their choice yes gotcha okay if you, thank you if you feel like um life's not great right now i don't have anywhere else to go um, I need some help and you're in a pretty bad place, you can go there. So you can check yourself in. Um, I never did that. Uh, I was always there unwillingly. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the extent of the treatment there um, was coloring or puzzles i mean they had these classes and i'm doing that in air quotes um talking about cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness and um yeah that was about it so, okay. And when you say treatment, you're saying that they, these were your options. So you're in there and in your case, you did not choose to be there. Your husband would, would put you there and it, it, yes. it, it got to the point. Are you saying that he would put you there every time that you, uh, really have uh, drank a lot? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I, and to his credit, Honest to God, I don't even know. He didn't know what else to do. Like, I was legit wasted on the couch. He didn't know if he was coming home to work or coming home from work and I was dead. Um, it, it, the kids didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I was just 
on this. This is what I was doing. I wanted to die. And yet I didn't. Um, but it, it it was just this vicious cycle. Right. And, and sorry again to interrupt you, but he, it wasn't, yeah, it, you you cannot blame him, and there there's no blame no. In, in the question at all about that. I just wanted to establish that that was going yeah. on. But then you're yeah, going yeah, into yeah. these places yep. where, again, these are staffed by people who are doing their best and, yes. uh, and want to help people, and they are overworked, yes. and I guarantee you they're underpaid. Yes. And um, you're saying basically that as far as treatment goes, other than perhaps if you need some medication to help with withdrawal symptoms, you could color, you could do a puzzle or you could go to like uh, mindfulness classes. Okay. Yeah. Um, And so what I did because um, I felt like a caged animal, um, I would walk from one end of the treatment facility to the other end of the treatment facility. It was like an L. And for eight hours, I walked. You just walk back and forth. Back and forth. So from, like, you get up around seven, have a really shitty breakfast, there was a mindfulness class. Oh, there was yoga one time. Oh, yoga was pretty good. I bet that I was nice. It. I also, that when you started good. to say there was mindfulness class, I really thought you were going to say there was a mime. <laughs> would not have surprised me. Which um, would have been really checked in there by somebody, I hope. <laughs> um, we figured out because one of the ladies there had a Fitbit. And so she tracked oh. um, how far. And I felt pretty good because I actually got some of the people there to walk with me. Um, and we were in one day, I walked 25 miles. Holy shit. And hey, <laughs> as a reminder for anybody who listened last week, this is from a woman who is drinking two to three bottles of wine a night and training for a marathon. And not only was she training for a marathon, something that we left out, but I really want to call out, especially for anybody who is in any way a runner. She ran the marathon, and I'm telling your story for you. Uh, so just go home, Katie. It's just my show now. No, uh, you qualified for Boston in that marathon. Now, that means you ran that motherfucker fast. Yeah, I did. I'm a competitive bitch, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, just you wait. Just you wait, Kevin. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're gonna do great. Thank anyway, you. So yeah, it it was a gigantic timeout, and I know my family needed it. Like they just needed to know for friggin' five days they didn't have to worry about me. Like Roger would come and see me every night after work. I there was visiting hours. Oh, that's great. Um, and you know he did. So I mean, seriously, he he did what he he didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. Like legit, right? I was circling the drain. It was not great. Like it was one thousand percent not great. I would pull my shit together, decide I was going to just this job. I'm going to just this is going to be fabulous and I'm going to do great. And nothing was fixed. Nothing was fixed. It was just a different job. Like there was nothing different in my head. There was nothing shifted. There was nothing changed. It was just different scenery. And that, no, none of the work had been done. Nothing had changed. And so, I mean, that is the definition of insanity. Like, doing the exact same thing and expecting a different result. And so nothing changed. Um, 2022, uh, it 
got really bad. 2022? No, 2020. Sorry, 2020. 2020. When shit went down with COVID. Right. um, COVID went down. um, And my husband was at home 24-7. Because of the the pandemic restrictions. Yes. (laughs) I had no freedom to go anywhere, do anything. And like a petulant child, I just was like, gear up motherfucker this is going down and it got bad so when you say uh, gear up motherfucker this is going down i'm assuming you're not like gonna face him in dr mario or something what did what did that mean i instead of recognizing anything instead of appreciating what he had done for me, the myriad times he had saved my life, um, I felt trapped. I felt controlled. I decided I'm going to drink whenever I want to. You're not going to stop me. Um, I'm, I don't care. And I was so far down the rabbit hole, but like I had alcohol hidden around the house. Um, and sometimes it stayed hidden. Sometimes they found it. Um, and then I'd be pissed because, you know, I would have to go get more. And that was not easy because he would go to every single Seven Eleven within a two miles, you know, and with pictures of me. Saying, do not sell alcohol to her. Really? Yeah. So I had to, like, find alternative places. And I'm smart, so... Well, you were an English major. Yeah. And I'm, you know... So, anyway. um, So, I uh, would hide alcohol on the way home in the woods. Um, Yeah, super safe super awesome great thing to do so i would go for a walk and drink as much as i could and then come home and then pass out um well it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what i was doing Mm -hmm. um so he would follow me and it just escalated and escalated and um i think the it, when I drank hand sanitizer, um, because I couldn't find alcohol, and that he was done. Like you go to rehab, you figure this shit out, or we're done. I I need to and, ask you a question about that. Did yeah. he see you drink the hand sanitizer or did he see the no, repercussions of you drinking that? that honor went to my son who oh. came home and now Liam was on high alert. Everybody was on high alert. You know, Trinity had already left. She was like, mom, I can't watch you die. So I had that fabulous thought to live with that my daughter's so done with me. Um, she's gone back to Wisconsin. Um. So add that to the shame backpack and um, no Liam came home and uh, noticed the hand sanitizer that had been full wasn't full anymore. And, um, you know, was like, Hey, I think this might be a problem uh, to Roger. Uh, So he was like, this is it. Um, called my sister in, uh, who ironically enough is a therapist um, oh. in Atlanta for drug and alcohol treatment. Okay. 
Uh, so she, she's a hero. Had, that is yeah. that is a heroic work. It is. It is, and she is underpaid for what she does. I um, I'm sure she is. Um, hey, Kristen. So, uh, she found a place. I got on a plane. Um, it was a very nice place. Um, the unfortunate side to this was Roger had told them that I struggled with an eating disorder, which I really hadn't up to that point. Point. I mean, I, I had kind of left that in the dust for alcohol. Um, so eating really wasn't the, the eating disorder as in bulimia, anorexia wasn't a factor. I wasn't eating because I wanted to die. And why waste the food when you can just drink um, mm. was my thought process. And so he told them that um, I had an eating disorder. So I get to this place and they won't let me run. Oh. They won't let me exercise. Why? Because they couldn't supervise it? Correct. Gotcha. Because for people with um, anorexia, you know, you're all about counting calories and burning off those calories. For me, exercise was a release. It was clearing my brain. And they clamped down on me so hard. Um, It was just another control mechanism. And so I spent 30 days pissed off and this place really was much more focused on treatment um but again it was just another aa centric which unfortunately the the methodology for aa is you are powerless. You are powerless to this substance. Um, you have no control. You are forever powerless. Um, you have to give everything to your higher power, which I did not have a problem with the higher power part. Sure. And that's um, that's often what people have a problem with, I think. Exactly, I know. Yeah. I was like, I don't have a problem with God. God's not the problem. The problem is the control thing. Um, And so this whole AA-centric mindset, and I mean it when I say, God bless. If AA works for someone Mm -hmm. who needs a program and it works for you and it keeps you sober and it keeps you accountable and it keeps you above the green, God bless. Fantastic. I don't care if pissing on a spark plug works. If it works, it works. Whatever. We at Sad Times do not uh, endorse <laughs> pissing endorse on a spark plug. Um, I think that was from War Games. I don't know. The Matthew but, Broderick movie? Yeah. I think really? The, yeah, I think so. Nice. Don't, it's been a long time since I've seen know. that. I don't know. It might be. All I remember is, God damn it, piss on a spark plug if I thought it'd work. <laughs> Um, so, but what I discovered after going to AA, so I get out of this treatment facility in 2020, um, pissed off and ready to box and things got exponentially worse the week after that. I decided I was going to hang myself. I was done with this world. See ya. Okay. Um, I, I need to, <clears throat> I'd like to say this, it, it is, it is worth noting the amount of agony and pain one must feel in order to, um, not only to even consider suicide, obviously, but to attempt it. And 
<clears throat> the fact that you said a few moments ago that you didn't, you wanted to die, and why waste the food? So you thought, uh, and I might, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth here, but you, you thought so little of your own self that you're like, I don't even need, I don't deserve food. I just want to die. Is that, is that, is that how low it was? It, oh yeah. I was a piece of shit. Look what I had done to my kids. Look at what I had done to, or, you know, it was soup to nuts. I sucked. Like. I couldn't keep Tim. I had fucked up my marriage. I had fucked up my children. I had fucked up my second marriage. I can't hold a job. I am garbage. Why? Why should I even be here? It this just this is dumb. I want to be out of here. Were you able to articulate that to people or was no. it just so jumbled no. in your mind? No. It okay. was just this ball of yuck. I just felt horrible mm. when conscious. Okay, thank you for letting me clarify that. I know that's not oh, easy yeah, to talk yeah, yeah, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, on Father's Day of 2020, um, I was in our bedroom i think i'd just gotten back from one of my walks um and so alcohol in the system and i decided that's it i i can't keep doing this this is stupid so i grabbed one of roger's ties and tried to macgyver something on the back of a door um and couldn't get the knot tight enough and so it just wasn't working. And I sat down on the floor and something shifted and I, I don't have words for what it was. It was not a still small voice. It was not angels singing or anything it was just something shifted and i took the tie off hung it back up got back in bed it was like the middle of the afternoon mm -hmm. and i just had this thought that I had fucked things up so completely that there really wasn't anywhere to go but up. And that thought just kind of sat there. And I thought about it some more. And I thought, I have wrecked every relationship. I've wrecked every relationship, you know, with my husband, with my children, with my parents. Everybody was done with me. And I thought, yeah, okay. I can fix this. And that had, like... <laughs> Like, it was legit. Like, the sky parted, and the sun came out, and I felt different. Okay. Like, I can't even describe it. I felt different. And I was going to AA, um... Like, I started going to AA meetings because I didn't know what else to do, and yeah. it seemed like the right thing to do. But you were still... Wait, I'm sorry. Uh, you, you were going to AA before? I started going to AA because I had just gotten back from rehab, did the little tie thing, and thought, okay, now what? Um, 
So I did start going to AA and met some really nice people, but I seriously thought, sweet Jesus, there are people here who have been sober for 15 years and they're still doing this every day. They're white knuckling it for 15 years. Holy shit. Did you? No, thank you. Yeah. Did that create a feeling of hopelessness? Yes. And did you express like when you were speak, if, if you did speak with them at the AA meetings, did you, did you ask them, how do you do this? Or did you express, I "I don't know if I could do that, that type of thing? What I, because I'll be honest. When things shifted for me, I didn't want to drink. I didn't need to be told not to drink. I just didn't want to because I felt different. I I felt different. And it was a, you know, it wasn't like it was an instant revelation. Oh, well, clearly now I see that the shame that I had put on myself was misplaced and no, it wasn't anything like that, but I felt different and I didn't want to drink. But when I was at these meetings and I'm talking to these people and they're legit, like barely getting through the day because they want to drink so bad And all I could think was, holy shit, there's got to be a better way than this. I mean, great. If if this is keeping them from not driving drunk, if this is keeping them from not doing terrible things to their family and their lives, well, great. But holy shit, there's got to be something better than that. Like, if you are white knuckling through every single day... Because you want to drink so bad and you can't handle it. Come on, therapy world. You got to do better. Or, Um, well, I mean, I think that does also speak to the stigmatization of actually seeking help in that sense. Yeah. And the fact that there's there's such mental health issues that trying to see a therapist is it's like eight eight months away and they only take certain insurance, you know, not to undercut you, but I I think that's a, something to to bring in there. Right. The system is broken from start to finish. It is broken. Um, you know, I, I maybe have kind of, well, no, not maybe I have a very biased opinion of how we treat, people with mental health issues. Um, And I think I put this in one of the emails we had sent back and forth prior to this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was arrested multiple times for walking down the street. They would, because they knew me from every time I was TDO'd, they knew who I was. They saw me, they would stop me. And they would arrest me for being drunk in public. Okay. Let's rewind that. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was not punching anybody. I was just walking down the street. But because I was who I was and they knew who I was, it's a small town. um, They would stop me. And if I smelled like alcohol, which I very often did, I was arrested. And put in the drunk tank or put in behavioral health. Um, If substance abuse disorder is a disease, it is in the DSM, it is classified as a disease. How am I arrested for having a disease? Like, nobody's being pulled aside for having cancer. Like, how dare you have cancer in public? And now I get the nuance. I get you can't have drunks and 
druggies, you know, parading down the street. It would be really creative parade, but <laughs> it would be a very creative parade. Imagine the bands. Like, oh man, they're awesome kick band. fucking ass. <laughs> but it's like it's this duality again. It's like okay, yes, do you have a problem? Yes, it's a disease. But you can't do it in public. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> I, I mean <clears throat> excuse me. I mean you're hitting hard, on uh, sorry, what did you say? I, I it's hard. It's like I get it. Yeah, you know, it's hard. This order. is I'm gonna call it I'm gonna this is going to sound trite, and I do not mean to be trite about something as serious as addiction or disease. It seems to me that uh, you know we're all just swirling through this chaos, right? And we have laws and we have um, society. We're trying to build our society, etc. I call this like the GREization of solve problem solving. I don't know if you've ever taken the GRE to go to grad school, but it's like, well, what is this really showing? It's showing how well I can take the GRE, but they have to quote unquote, have something to show how they rank people. It's almost like this is the GREization of, oh, well, yeah, it may be a disease, but you're causing a a disturbance, Um, which I do not agree with. I agree with what you're saying about this is a disease. People with a disease need help. They do not need yeah. to be punished. Right, right. A thousand percent. Um, and, you know, of course, I understand it is nuanced. It is. But it just was like. Huh? Um, it, you know, it's like we really do need to do better. We need to. Look at, look at the why, why, why was I doing this to myself? What, scale it back, pedal it back. Why? Well, I felt like I couldn't control my life. I felt like I was to blame for everything. I felt like I had brought this all on myself. It was all my fault, all my fault. There was no, there was no way to put the pieces back together. And then I discovered this, um, I saw this thing, I don't know if I saw it on the internet or where I saw it, but it's a Japanese um, art form. And I think it. I'm going to butcher it, but I think it's Kintsugi or something like that. But it's a Japanese art of taking a broken pot and mending it with gold. And so where the pieces were broken, it's now you see the gold and it's beautiful. Wow. And I saw that and I thought, that's it. That is my life. <laughs> I, that's it. It. There was no making it perfect. There was no stitching it back together to not see the seams, to not see the scars, to not see the where it was cracked but i was put back together all of the cracks are still there you can clearly see them i mean you see them all over my face (laughs) as shit goes south um you see all of that but it's part of who i am now and you and it's uh you know yeah and that you're accepting of it. I the, the across the weeks as we've talked, uh, one of the things that's been really hard to hear you say, partially because obviously it's hard to hear you say, but partially because it's something that I have definitely struggled with is 
you say, I fucked this up, I fucked that up, I fucked this up, and, and it, it, it always comes back to that. And I do that more often than I care to admit. But yeah. to hear you say, oh, that's me now, and that you're accepting of those parts that are now filled with gold is yeah. a really, 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 really wonderful thing to hear. Yeah, it it really, like, legit, everything shifted. And I did some really hard work and um, tried some weird therapy things. Um, for uh, PTSD, there's this... Um, therapy called EMDR, which mm -hmm. the thought behind it is when you're dreaming in REM state, your eyes move and it, the thought behind it is your brain is processing things and, and activities and pro, uh, traumas and all, you know, everything that goes on in your day, your brain is, is processing it. And so by watching these lights talking about your trauma it gets your brain to process it so it's not as traumatic and you can not have nightmares like i had nightmares for years when i was little um that i i, I can see them as clear as day that somebody was standing outside my house looking in the curtains, like looking in the window at me and I couldn't hide. And, you know, I processed all that garbage and I know what it means um, that I didn't feel like I was safe. I didn't feel like I had autonomy. I did not feel like my body was my own. And that shit just came on through to adulthood. Um, so, you know, my biggest takeaway is while none of it was my fault, it is my responsibility to do the next right thing and the next right thing has to be what makes sense for me and my body what makes sense for the people i love to take them into account to not turn into a selfish asshole um, because addicts are assholes and they're very selfish. Like the universe revolves around us. Um, so doing the next right thing and being who I know that I am, you know, I've got a lot to offer the world and I'm doing that. Uh, you know, I, I could live in regret. I could sit back and realize, you know, I pissed away 10 years of my life. I, you know, probably, and <laughs> with all the therapy, my poor children are going to, you know, go, are going through and have gone through, you know, but there's a reason the rear view mirror is as small as it is and your windshield is as big as it is because all that shit's behind you and all you can do is look forward. And I know that sounds like something that should be on a t-shirt or, you know, but it's true. You know, you cannot change the past and you can only say, I'm sorry. So many times. Um, you just gotta live your life, do the next right thing. And just keep swimming. <laughs> Katie, that's amazing. Um, I think now is the time to tell everyone I don't know how to swim. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm I'm not kidding about the swimming thing. I don't know how to swim. But um, I everything that you just said over the last couple minutes is a wonderful summation of the journey you've taken us on over the past three weeks and the story that you've told us and the low, horrible times that you've gone through and you come out and, and it, I had never heard what you just said about the, um, the, the, the rear view mirror and the windshield. I think that's wonderful though. Cause you're right. There's a reason that's small and the windshield's so big. And I, I, I really would like to, to, as we're wrapping up, I'd, I'd like to leave it there before I say to you, thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself with us and your story and reaching out. This has been um, obviously an extremely difficult conversation uh, across these weeks, but it has been a delight um, hearing you tell your story. Um, I know that, <clears throat> you know, you're, you, I said it before, you're hilarious and I believe humor is the most important thing that we have. One of the most important things we have in order to deal with these hard times, these sad times. So as we're wrapping up, is there anything else that you would like to say that maybe you weren't able to say or impart uh, before we, we um, wrap up uh, this week? Um, if, if I could just reiterate, um, Sexual trauma is more prevalent in so many people's lives, male and female. Um, and, you know, it is in, it's in the news. It's in, you know, the, the consciousness of the world today. And it's so out there. Um, but if you, if it happens to you, report it. If it happens to a child that is in your care, is in your purview, deal with it immediately. Um, because I am living proof of what can happen just letting that crap fester um because when it came out and it did thankfully come out um it was 40 years in the making and festering and um you have to take care of yourself and learning boundaries um you know stand up for yourself you're worth it um if, if nothing else you're worth it and i i genuinely believe that about myself and it took me 50 years it took me 50 years to feel like i matter i have something to say um and that i'm worth it you know and i know that sounds trite but it's not trite God damn it you know we are <laughs> it's you know so thank you kevin thank you so much katie and i i do want to say if to kind of piggyback on that very eloquently said statement if you or anybody you know has been uh, a victim of sexual abuse, there will be some um, resources in the show notes. Uh, and if you are considering or feeling suicidal, uh, know that there is hope. Um, we will have the suicide national suicide hotline in the show notes as well. Katie, for the first time in sad times history, I'm going to curse. <laughs> You're the shit. <laughs> Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, fuck the Packers. Thank you for your time. <laughs> no, uh, thank you so much, Katie. This has been a, a really, really fantastic and difficult and um, 
moving story. And to hear when you said it took you 50 years, but I'm worth it. I, I did a fist pump because <laughs> you're damn right. You're worth it. And I'm so happy for you and your family. And I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, uh, I will end this, uh, the way I try to end all shows by saying very similar to what Katie was just saying, you know, there is always room for kindness and grace. You can be good to yourself. Um, I forget it every day, but there is always room for kindness and grace. And we will see you next time on Sad Times. You've been listening to a fourth hand joint.